Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We'll be reading verses 13 through 16. Since uh, in one fell swoop, the uh, uh, LSU and Arkansas have essentially been wiped out of uh, the hunt for the uh, SEC West, we can all just uh, get back to what matters, right? And uh, we can all, with uh, humility, uh, just see it as a game. Um, I will we'll just pray for the few Alabama fans among us that need our prayers that they still might have that football idolatry that we all tend to have this time of year. But uh, we have humbleness uh, this morning if you're like me. We're going to look this morning at how Christians make godly difference in an ungodly world. Um, it's really about how we as Christians interact with the world. So, starting with verse 13, it says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall it, its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray quickly one more time. Dearly Father God, this is your word. God, this is a powerful word for what we are to be as the church, and I pray that you would awaken our hearts to this challenge this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Uh, before we get started on how we are to interact with the world, let me kind of go over some, uh, some errors uh, that the church or Christians uh, have made in dealing with the world in the past. Um, some have believed that withdrawal from the world Okay, like the monks of old, hey, if we just build walls, get inside, um, and not interact with the world, that's where it's at. Uh, but the reality is, is that when you, when you do that, you're still there, right? So sin is still in existence. Uh, I joke with people sometimes who ask me about my kids' homeschooling, and they say, well, how does your kids get exposed to sin in the world? And I say, they live with me. <laughs> There's no way to, to block out sin as long as people are around. There is sin. There is worldliness. And not only that, as we'll see in a moment, we're meant to change the world. We're meant to have an effect on the world. Second mistake that people have made is becoming one with the world, saying, hey, let's just join the world. Let's, let's try to make the world like us. Let's do what the world does. And uh, we'll see in a few moments why this verse tells us that that approach is wrong as well. And thirdly, many have made the mistake of relying on the world and, and essentially marrying the church and the state, saying, hey, if we can get political power behind the church, then great things will happen. But every time that's been attempted, very bad things have happened. And we see that that's still part of our mentality is that we think, well, if a certain 
if a certain political power will come into being, then hey, it'll grow great for the kingdom of God. And, and that's not necessarily the case. So we want to look at some, some ways that we make a difference in the world. We make a difference by acknowledging the condition of the world. We can learn a great deal about the condition of the world just in these few verses. Uh, I remember an instance, uh, my dad's here, uh, we were fishing at the lake years ago, um, back when Chris and I were first married, and, uh, and we caught, we did good, we caught some striper bass, and so as we were leaving the lake, he handed me this frozen bag of bass, and I thought, awesome, and so I put it in the car, uh, and we didn't have room in the ice chest, but I was like, it's frozen, so it'll be fine, and so we got to the house, you know, camp is the most tiring thing you can do, so I didn't feel like unloading the car, so I just kind of left the stuff there. And uh, a few days passed, and uh, a normal person would have smelt it right away, right? I don't have a sense of smell. I'm weird, okay? I, I don't, I've never had a sense of smell. And so for days, I'm driving around Rotten Mobile, and it wasn't until someone finally outside of the church uh, outside of my house, could smell it from the carport and my car. It had been, it was bad. And it was a long time. In fact, during the rest of the time we had the car, there were moments, I don't have a sense of smell, but I was told by Crystal, I smell the fish. Because that's what happens in our world, right? If something, if meat is left, or, or, or anything is left to itself that, that we tend to, to eat or, or enjoy for food, if it's just left for itself, it's going to rot. That's what's going to happen unless something interacts with it to keep it from rotting. In our day, that's ice. That's the freezer. That's what keeps things from rotting. In the biblical time, it would have been salt, right? They would have rubbed salt to keep the meat from rotting. And so what, what the Scriptures are saying here is that the world is prone to rot. It's prone to decay. There have been moments of great optimism in mankind. Uh, one of the greatest moments of optimism was in the, when the 19th century gave birth to the 20th century. And, and man, things were looking up. Uh, society, there was technology that was happening. A lot, some diseases were starting to be healed. And people, man, they started to think, man, man, kind has arrived. It's, when we started to buy into evolution, we thought, Man, evolution, we kind of understand that. And so, man, we're evolving into something greater. And we're on the brink of two world wars. And really the bloodiest century the world has ever known because our technology ended up just creating a way for us to kill more people. So every time man has felt the optimism, we've, hit, we've been hit with the reality that the world is prone to rot. It's prone to decay. We as mankind are prone to decay. Look at Genesis. I mean, it's not just about the fall that happens in Genesis 3. If you look in Genesis 3, it's fall after fall after fall. And that continues today. Fall after fall after fall. We are prone to decay. We also see here that the world is in a state of darkness. Now, man loves to speak of an enlightenment. I mean, there have been moments of history that we've actually called the Enlightenment. That, oh man, we've got it figured out. But I don't know about you, but I feel like the world's still pretty dark, right? 
feel like we're living in, in dark times. There are things you watch the news. Things are not great. At least in, in, in the way we can view it from our side of things. And yet, this rotten, dark world is our home. Until God sees fit to remove us, this is our home. This is where we live. And it, it is more than just what we are tied to because it is our home. It is what we are called to. We are called to reverse its decay. We are called to push back at the darkness with the light of Christ. And so, when we realize that the world, and that's pretty easy to realize, right? That the world is not as it should be. We must ask ourselves, well, how can we change it? Well, we make a difference by maintaining our identity. We must realize first our identity as change agents. Jesus calls us here the, the, it's important, get this, the salt of the earth. He calls us the light of the world. We are not one thing that keeps the world from rotting. We are the thing that keeps the world from rotting. We are not the thing that, that uh, or we're not just one thing that fights back and kicks back the darkness with light. We are the light of the world. There is no hope for a world in decay or in darkness outside of the church. We can sit around all we want and talk about the fact that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And we can talk about how that's the reality. But folks, the reality is, is that the only thing that can keep it from doing that is the church. Is the church being salt and being light in this world. Because we are the only ones that can do it. We're told here, we are the salt. We are the light. How amazing is it here to receive this label of the light of the world. As Christians, for, for Jesus to call us the light of the world. What's amazing about that is that's exactly what He calls Himself in John 8, verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us, and therefore we can honestly say, with humility, but we can honestly say, we are the hope of the world, inasmuch as we are reflecting Christ. This is why trying to use the world's power will never work. The hope of the world is not in earthly political power. It's in a king and a kingdom that's not of this world. The biggest question hanging over the rotting dark world is not about who will be elected November 8th. 
The biggest question is, when is the church going to wake up and be salt and light to this world? That's the biggest question. Is when is the church going to awake to the reality of what it needs to be doing? And what each of us as individual Christians need to be doing? We must realize it's not just about realizing our identity in Christ. It's also about maintaining our identity as change agents. Both salt and light affect its environment only because it's different from that environment. Salt is salty. The verse tells us that if it loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. It can just be thrown out. It's not useful. Because it's no longer salt, right? It's, it can't change anything around its world, so it's just useless. And light has an f- effect on darkness only when it's shining forth. And so also the verse says, if you take a light and you put it under a bushel and you hide it, it's of no use. That is why trying to be one with the world will never work because we Listen to me, we must be different than the world or we will have nothing to offer the world. Listen to me, if the church goes with the world on its downward spiral of disobedience to God, then where will the world turn when they realize they've made a mistake? If we follow the world in their disobedience, when the world goes, this isn't what we thought it was going to be, and they turn around and they see the church has followed them, they'll have nowhere to go. So we must keep ourselves apart from the world. But there are dangers in telling you not to be worldly. It brings to mind a time when when Christians were most known by the few things that they didn't do. Don't cuss, drink, or chew, or date girls who do. And if you do that, you're a Christian. You're a super Christian if you do that. And about and dancing, don't do that either. And Christians can sometimes get known by the very few things that they don't do. We have to avoid those things or we'll be considered worldly. And there is certainly truth that we must set apart ourselves in godliness. But folks, if we're going to make a list, let's make sure the list comes from the Scriptures. Let's make a list. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount. So let's make a list of what salt and light looks like based off of the Sermon on the Mount. Here we go. This is what we're going to be studying in the days ahead. Humble yourselves before God and walk meekly among men. Obey all the commandments of God. Don't be angry and make things right with Christians when you do. Don't even think lustful thoughts. If you think lustful thoughts, you're committing adultery. View your marriage as sacred. Be honest. If someone slaps you in the face, turn and offer them the other cheek. 
Love and pray for people who want to destroy you. Be generous with your money. Be a person of prayer. Be a person that fasts. That gives up food sometimes to to turn to God and pray to God. Lay up treasures not in your bank account. Lay up your treasures in heaven. Don't let fear rule you. Careful how you judge. Judge with humility. Do to others as you want them to do to you. When I am confronted with a biblical list, you know what I say? Give me that other list. Because most of us, giving up a couple of substances and dancing is child's play compared to really being salt and light. My dancing's embarrassing anyway. To be salt and to be light isn't just about picking a few easy things that you don't do as a Christian. It's about, yes, things you don't do that the Scriptures tell you not to do and the things also that the Scriptures tell you to do. You need to be doing those things. And it's, it includes all of, all of the things taught in Scripture Be careful that you make your list according to the Bible and not anything else. Be known a lot more by what you do than what you refrain from sometimes. How you love and serve your spouse and how you treat your coworkers, to be honest, may set you apart much more than not taking a smoke break. And the other, the other danger we have in saying, hey, stand out, be different, is that it might encourage you to not be genuine. To say, man, man, I can't let these unbelievers see my shortcomings because then they'll think I'm like them and, and then I won't be able to reach them because they'll just think I'm just like them. And that if, I'm, if I don't in every way show myself to be unlike them, then I'll cease to be salt and light. But, but the reality is, folks, is that, that none of us avoid the rottenness of the world. None of us avoid the darkness. It's there. We are Christians. We are not yet glorified, so those things still exist. And, and let's not be dishonest about that. Let's not be disingenuous about that. To hide every flaw in your life is to hide Christ's redemption in your life. People don't just need to see your holiness. They need to see what effect Christ has on your remaining sinfulness. They need to see the differences, but they also need to see at times the similarities. They need to see that you maybe are someone that gets in fights with your spouse just like they do. The question becomes, how is that resolved? The question is not, can you perfectly treat everyone perfectly at work? What do you do when you treat somebody wrongly at work? 
what people need to see is not just our perfection, but they need to see how the salt of Christ and the salt and the light of the world of Christ fights our own personal rottenness, our own personal darkness. That's what the world needs to see as well as our differences. They need to see how Christ comes to bear on our similarities and our similar struggles. We also make differences in the world by living out our identity in in the world. We must interact with the world. Salt must be rubbed into the meat to preserve it. It's a process. It has to really be worked in there. And we must be rubbed into the world to preserve it. It does no good setting in the salt container. And again, light is not meant to be hidden. This verse is clear. Don't hide the light. It's useless. Put it up on a stool while everyone can see it. And this is what is wrong with totally withdrawing from the world. Is that we are to be people that have an influence on the world. Although we are a gathered people on Sunday, we are a scattered people throughout the rest of the week. Where you find yourself every day is not just a job or a home. It is the place God has placed you to be salt and light to bring Him to bear on whatever that environment is. Have you ever known someone that was just just seemed so close to God? That just just seemed different. That when they entered into a room, people just act differently. And I'm not just talking about like, hey, the preacher's in here, let's watch our language. I'm talking a genuine respect for someone who is very Christ-like. Where just when they enter a room, things change. I've known a few men like that and women like that in my day. And I think about what would the world be like if the church was full of that kind of person that, that when we walked into our environment simply because of our closeness to Christ and, and the way we treat others as Christ uh, would, would treat them and just the way that we live our lives, even if they don't fully buy into Christianity, they would just say, I respect that person. I respect their genuine faith. Imagine what could happen to the world if it was filled with Christians that had that kind of effect. The question we need to all ask ourselves is what effect are we having in the places where we go and where we encounter others? Is it a place where A place where we preserve and kick back against the rod and the darkness, or do we just have no effect? We need to ask those hard questions of ourselves. We must live in such a way that, that points people to God. Look what it says here in verse 16 as it ends here. It says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see 
your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I think the hard question we must all ask ourselves this morning is that is our life filled with enough good works that it it makes people look anywhere? Do we live a radical enough life that when people see us living our lives, do they pause and go, where's that come from? Mediocre Christianity doesn't make anyone look heavenward, folks. Mediocre Christian doesn't do anything. Someone who is living as salt and light, what it does is it first people's attention come to us because we're different, and then their attention goes to the source of those good works, and that's God. Isn't that what you long for in your life? Is to to be salt and light in such a way that people would look at you and then gaze upon God and give Him glory. This morning as our musicians come, let us all ask the question, do Do I spend more energy complaining about the world? Or do I spend energy trying to to change it? Am I being salt and light? And some of you may need to ask yourselves, well, I can't even be light because I've never been introduced to the light of the world. So I can't be the light of the world because I don't know Christ. And I would love to talk to you this morning because... And Christ came into the world and lived a sinless life and died on the cross so that you, if you would believe and trust in Him, might find forgiveness for your sins. I'd love to talk with you about that. I'll be down front. But please stand and let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, Help us all to ask ourselves the challenging questions of are we living a life that sends others looking heavenward? God, is our life filled with good works of being salt and being light in a world that so desperately needs it that people would look to you, God? We, God, I know the Christians in this room, they want that. They just struggle with how to do that, how to be that. God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts, challenge us. May your Holy Spirit speak to us through your word that we've heard this morning that would challenge us to make changes. God, so that we could be change agents to a world that so desperately needs it. In Jesus' name I pray.